0: This is To Catch a Con Man, Season 2, In the Victim's Voices. I will take you on another fascinating journey, but this time you will hear from other men and women that, like me, have fallen prey to the various cons, scams, and deceits by one of the most prolific and successful con artists to live and operate in the Midwest. You know him as Ricky Dugo. Could a hundred grand sustain my life? It couldn't even come close. So, so listen to me. If I was going to be in some sort of uh, con, scam, conniving thing, it'd be for millions. It wouldn't be for $100,000. To Catch a Con Man is brought to you by Studio 847 in Long Grove, Illinois. Listener discretion is advised, as some of this programming contains language and content that might be offensive to some listeners. Join me on this adventure to catch a con man. This is Adam Albin. On this next episode of To Catch a Con Man, we will hear from another export fitness victim, one where Ricky worked her over for not just one Harley-Davidson motorcycle, but two Harley-Davidson motorcycles. As Dugo promised Cat, he would help her build up her credit as well as her future. Let's hear from the first interview I ever conducted. And meet Kat. All right, so we're here today. It's um, the September 7th at 7 o'clock. I am here with Kat, and we're going to start an interview. Kat, can you say something?
1: Hello, everybody.
0: Okay. Um, so we're going to start off by uh, asking some questions. This is uh, an interview um, that we're going to be uh, conducting. Um, first, can you just state your name and do I have permission to uh, record your conversation for uh, the upcoming podcast of To Catch a Con Man?
1: My name is Kat and yes, you have
0: permission. Great. Thank you so much. Um, can you give me some background um, about how you met Ricky Dugo?
1: So I met Ricky Dugo back in 2017, uh, probably I want to say around like March, April time. We met at Export Fitness in Libertyville. Um, we were actually introduced, I was working out when I was at Export and I was actually introduced to him, uh, because I was wearing a Western Illinois Cut-off shirt when I was working out and he was working out with two other people and one of them must have noticed it and said hey I went to school there so all three of these gentlemen came up to me and started having a conversation with me just more about you know Western how one guy went to Western for uh, law enforcement and that's initially how I met him I mean he didn't really initiate a conversation with me it was like hey Here's somebody I know that went to Western, looks like you did too.
0: Right, so you don't think that he kind of like targeted you for any specific reason at that time? I don't think so, no. Okay. And then how did things progress from there?
1: So initially, we didn't really have commun- a lot of communication. After that, it was more, you know, randomly see him in the gym, say, hey, how's your day going? How's your workout going? Um, then it kind of got to where he noticed that I was, uh, training for a bodybuilding competition. Uh, he noticed when I was in the fitness room posing and everything, he's like, Hey, I see that you're, you know, you're into bodybuilding. I used to bodybuild. Um, you know, if you ever need help with anything, if you ever want to work out together or whatnot, you know, I'm always here more than welcome to work out with me. So I just started, uh, you know, getting to know him a little bit more, starting a little bit more conversation. Um, obviously, since he was into bodybuilding, I was intrigued. You know, I more wanted to know his secrets. He, he's a big guy. He's a big dude. You know, so I wanted to know, hey, what are your secrets? What can you tell me? Stuff like that. And for a few weeks, it was just working out together. Um, we would meet up with two of the two people that he was with, and we would all... You know do our lifts together and then go on our merry ways
0: right did you know at the time that he was using steroids
1: no I kind of figured yeah I mean he, he's a big big guy yeah. um, but I was never into steroids you know I never wanted to try them. nothing um, I was actually representing a supplement company at the time when I met him uh, there was an instance where we were talking and I mentioned that I was representing a supplement company and I said hey you know, you should try out these products and he actually went, bought these products off of me through my link. You know, I think he bought a few hundred dollars worth of products. Right. And told me about it, you know, how he liked it and everything. So right then and there, I was like, Hey, we're going to be friends. Okay.
0: And so from there, so you're working out with him, you're working out with him and a couple other buddies. Mm -hmm. Um, how long is he working out with you and How long, what's that time frame like before he drops the bomb on you?
1: So it was actually probably, I want to say about two months before he started really mentioning anything about anything that he was trying to offer to me. Um, It got to the point where I thought I can trust him. You know, he was somebody that I can talk to at the gym. Kind of opened up to him a little bit about, you know, I was 28 years old at the time, I was broke, I was working a full-time job that paid basically minimum wage, and I was struggling financially. And, you know, when he would sit there and talk about, you know, how he has this luxury life, you know, living in uh, you know, Libertyville or wherever he used to live, and going out on a cigarette boat for, you know, in the Ozarks, and how he knew people with money, I basically went, eight, I even asked him, I said, do you know anybody that's hiring, you know, that hiring somewhere where I can just make a little bit more money or get a side job or whatnot. Um, he told me that he would look into things and probably not even a week later, he started mentioning certain things, you know, that he could possibly help out, help me out with and everything.
0: We'll come back to that. What were your first impressions of Rick Dugo?
1: Rick was a funny guy when I met him, um, you know, he joked around all the time. He, I mean, when we were at the gym, he would do hilarious things, whether it be, you know, walk around and drop his pants down or, you know, go and just talk to me about, you know, random things, you know, his son or, you know, how he was going to the Ozarks over the weekend. Um, no, I thought he was a funny guy I thought he was wealthy of course um didn't really think of anything else of him though
0: so like his dress did he did he dress well for the gym I know it's the gym but was he wearing like nice clothes
1: uh yeah I would say so you know if I remember correctly it was a lot of like Under Armour, Nike, Tommy Hilfiger um you know, always came in with his hair done, his, I want to say his spray tan on, um, and a big, big grin.
0: Yeah. And then did you ever notice what kind of cars he was driving?
1: Oh, he had many. I mean, one I remember is his, uh, dually that he had, then he had a, an Escalade, I think, or a Tahoe. Honestly, I can't remember all of
0: them. He's had all of those. Mm Um, So, he comes in, he's always grinning, he's got his spray tan on, he's got his hair all done up and dyed, Um, he gives off an image, and what is that image? Just,
1: I want to say cocky.
0: Cocky, successful? Yes. Okay. Um, Do you like being around him? Do you like working out around him?
1: Oh, yeah. 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 I mean, he was always good company when we were there. Um, I did notice that he kind of half asses his workouts a little bit. Yeah. Um, You know, I think I was putting in three times the effort that he was. Right. Uh, But other than that, I mean, he seemed fine.
0: Yeah. Okay. Um, How long did he wait until he pitched whatever the deal was?
1: Probably a few months, maybe, maybe a month or so, um, you know, after I confided in him, you know, about my financial situations, it was, it was probably a good week, maybe two weeks until he started offering some things to me.
0: Let's talk about your financial situation at the time. Go mm-hmm. back and um, if you could just give me a, a recollection of what it was like at that point in your life where were you where you know like were you living day to day
1: yeah no I mean I definitely I was 28 years old you know student loans came in those are always part of my language a bitch Um, but I was living paycheck to paycheck you know I was probably making only like 38,000 a year um, while trying to prep for a bodybuilding show if anybody knows what the toll of prepping for a bodybuilding show is it's expensive it's costly and you know, all the food that you have to buy and everything like that um, so I it, probably every week I was living off of you know maybe 100 200 bucks to survive on after you know bills were getting paid and and I was still living with my mom at the time too
0: right so we'll call it living day-to-day mm-hmm. right your paycheck to paycheck um, young um, aspiring to be a, a, a bodybuilder. Um, and you see this guy come in, and he's giving you a, a portrayal of affluence and success. What did he tell you that he did for a living?
1: He told me that he owned an underground car wash at the Trump Towers.
0: Yep. Did he tell you he owned more than one?
1: If I remember correctly, I think
0: so. Okay. Um, so you have this guy that comes in, and he, he's he got the wealth, or at least he, he's portraying wealth to you, so you're feeling good around him, you mm-hmm. feel like you can open up to him. You guys are forging a friendship?
1: Oh yeah.
0: Okay. So, a couple months into it, um, he approaches you, um, he starts to understand a little bit about your financial background, your situation, and what does he do?
1: so he came up to me one day and i strictly remember it he said hey i know you're struggling Um, i have a way that maybe i can get you to make a little bit of extra money he mentioned to me he knows somebody who buys tvs and you know basically what he does is he goes and he buys these TVs, and then he sells them to, you know, at aftermarket price or whatnot, and I can put money down. And whatever money I would put down, he would sell these TVs for twice the amount of what I would put down. Um, so basically, when he mentioned it to me, I was like, hmm, sounds a little interesting. You know, put a couple down, you know, get twice my money back. Uh, the funny thing is, is when it actually happened, I remember going to him at the gym and I said, hey, I have some money for you. You know, I'll put two down. And I think he got a little misunderstood and he didn't actually realize how bad of a financial situation I was in. And I think he thought when I said two, I think he thought I was meaning two grand, when it was really just 200.
0: Right. So. He approaches you with an opportunity mm-hmm. to uh, change your financial situation he's going to help you out um, he's going to go out and uh, procure some TVs at a severe discount um, with the money that you've given him and in the background um, he's gonna buy the TVs uh, on the cheap for a discount and then he's going to resell them to somebody and then he's gonna give you the profit
1: mm-hmm. how did that go I uh- not very well actually um, I gave him the money he said okay it will be about you know a week or two before you know the TVs come in and you know we can make the money I was like eh whatever it's $200 you know um, then after those two weeks I asked him You know, I was like hey do you have my money you know I- I'm struggling person living paycheck to paycheck I'm definitely struggling and $200 even $400 since you said that you were gonna double it would help me a lot And at first he was like oh no TVs aren't in yet they haven't been delivered Um, you know I'll check in with you they should be in you know in the next couple days a couple days later ask him again hey I'm really struggling I need this money he's like okay you know I'll come and I'll give you your money well he actually came back, he met me at the gym, and he just gave me my 200 bucks back. He was like, you know, um, it's gonna be a little bit longer, so I'm just gonna give you your money back. I was like, oh, okay, you
0: know. So at that point, what were you thinking? What were you feeling in, in, in that couple of weeks that it took from the time he you had your money at first to the time that he just, we'll call it, submits? back to you and gives you what is rightfully yours the original investment because that's what this was it sounds like it was an investment Um, is he texting you all the time are you texting him is he giving you excuse after excuse
1: i mean yeah we were texting back and forth um when i would ask him you know especially when to meet up it was there was probably a week or two where he kept on giving excuse after excuse you know um hey i'm stuck at work or I'm stuck in traffic, or my son is sick, I have to take him to the hospital. He even gave me an excuse that he had to go pack up his mom's house because his mom passed away. I'm not sure if that was true or not,
0: but. It all depends on the time of the year. His mom did pass away during some of this. Um, That may not have been a lie, but it could have been. Um, The excuses that he used with you, he used with everybody. Mm -hmm. Um, There's a pattern of excuses. Um, stuck in the city Um, had to fire a guy at the car wash his son um, was always sick or his son was playing football or um, you know he was being mr. dad Um, so you're not alone Mm -hmm. Um, so he returns the money to you Mm -hmm. the 200 bucks and then what happens
1: so after he returns it everything kind of went back to normal for a couple weeks, um, you know, we would still meet at the gym almost every day and work out, uh, whether it be him sitting there talking to me and me working out or whatnot. Um, and then, like I said, probably a few weeks later, he says, you know, I want to talk to you about something. I think I have a way to really help you out. And at first I was like, okay, you know, I, I trust this guy. Um, you know he tried to help me out before and unfortunately just he wasn't able to succeed or whatnot um, so he goes and he's like I want to build your credit score because you told me that your your credit was bad I was like yeah you know I would do anything to get my credit to go up he goes well what if we financed something under your name and then I just paid it for you and I was like well I don't know how that's gonna work. He's like, Well, I know a guy who sells watches. I'm not sure what type of watches they were, whether they're Rolex or whatnot. He's like, I think we should go and try and finance for a watch. And I was like, How the hell am I gonna be able to finance with my credit? He goes, Well, my guy knows somebody. He goes, We'll take a look at your credit score and he'll see if it will work. And I was like, Okay. He's like, I'll get back to you in, in a couple of days. A couple of days rolled by he comes back to me at the gym. He's like, you know, I talked to my guy. Um, I think there's something even better that we can do. He goes, how about we finance for a motorcycle? And I was like, um,
0: what? <laughs> so you just jump from like a $10,000 Rolex to a $25,000 motorcycle. Mm-hmm. That's how good he is. Um, so one of his scams in particular that he dealt with for years was um, going to CD peacock and opening uh, lines of credit in other people's names and then buying Rolex watches and then taking them down to the city to a guy named Howard fromm and he had this jeweler um, that was in uh, the part of Chicago that uh, you can buy and sell you know jewelry and, and diamonds and stuff and he would sell the Rolexes to Howard Fromm. he did this I'm I'm going to guess at 50 times, maybe a hundred. So, um, that is one of those notorious uh, scams. Um, but let's talk about motorcycles.
1: <laughs> so after he mentions it to me, he tells me, so here's the deal. He goes, we're going to go, we'll finance the bike. You'll apply for the loan. And what I'll do is I'll pay the bikes off in a matter of weeks like, I'll have my accountant guy write a check to the company and they'll pay the bikes off and then I'll give you extra money. It's like, I'll give you half of whatever the bikes were. It's like that way it's, you know, the bikes are paid off. It increases your credit score and you get money on top of it. And I was like, okay, good investment. I want to say
0: <laughs> too good to be true.
1: Yeah, I would say so um, You know, there always was a little voice in the back of my head that said I don't know if you should do this But there was also
0: another voice in my head that said do it. Are you a gambler? I mean do you like um, do you like the thrill of winning and losing? I mean I mean I like the thrill of winning. Winning everybody <laughs> likes to win. Yeah, that was a loaded question um, Okay, so um, where does he take you i mean where where are you going when are you going dates times places locations
1: um you know a lot of the stuff that we did was all at export a lot of the communication um, i can't remember the exact date but it was probably around may or june that we actually went to the harley davison store and this and, is in 2015
0: uh 2017
1: 2017 Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, We went to the Harley-Davidson store, walked in. He even said to me before we walked in, he's like, just act like you're my girlfriend. I was like, okay. He's like, it will look better. Like, okay. Walked in, acted like I was his girlfriend. You know, he's like, looking at bikes, he's like, oh, I kind of like this bike. I kind of like this bike. And... As we're going, he's actually going and talking to the salesman about customizing his bike, increasing the price. You know, I was thinking, I'm going to finance for a $20,000 bike. You know, I financed for two bikes. Right. You know, totaling anywhere from, I think the total amount was anywhere between forty five to fifty grand.
0: Right. So he, you went there to finance one bike. He goes there, picks out his bike, and then picks out all of his accessories, mm-hmm. customize it, goes to the sales guy. I'll take two.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Wow! Um, at that moment, when when he's um, increased all of this significantly from what the expectation was, I'm sure you had some sort of expectation, like you said, figured like twenty grand, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden, you're looking down at the financing piece of this. Um, did you feel scared? Was there any part of you that was hesitant? Oh, Um,
1: yeah, of course. I mean, as soon as we were, you know, filling out paperwork and getting numbers of what the monthly payment would be, I looked straight at him and I said, I can't afford this.
0: What was the monthly payment?
1: Um, for the newer bike, it was almost $400 a month. And then for the used bike, it was about a little over 200 a month.
0: Wow. Did he give you any indication of why he wanted two bikes? There's only one Rick Dugo. Why did he need two motorcycles?
1: He wanted one for his buddy.
0: And his buddy's name is? Johnny. Johnny Grant. Mm-hmm. Hmm. So what happens after you do your paperwork?
1: So, we do the paperwork, we get everything completed. At first, um, when the finance team at Harley-Davidson ran everything, I didn't get approved. And Rick Dugo actually went and spoke to them the following day. I don't know what he said to them or whatnot because I wasn't present. And actually got them to approve it. He didn't tell me how. He just said, I did my magic and I got him approved.
0: I have a feeling. It's a guess. I don't know. I'll share it offline with you. Um, So what sort of assurances did he make that he was going to come through um, on his end of the bargain?
1: So when we actually were approved for the bikes, he actually put a down payment down. And he covered the first months of insurance.
0: How much well. was the down payment?
1: Uh, I think it was like 900 or he made the first payments. I can't remember exactly the biggest details of it. Um, but I know he covered a portion of what was needed to be put down. Um, and then he had told me, he said, you know, i what you're going to do is you're going to give me the account numbers. You know, we'll set up you know, the payment accounts, and my accountant will go and take those account numbers and he'll wire money through. Like, you'll see the money go through within weeks.
0: And did that happen? No. How far, uh, how many weeks went by before you knew he wasn't making the payments?
1: Um. So after the first month that he didn't make a payment, I was so scared that I was gonna get a late fee or hurt my credit, that I actually made the first month's payments for both bikes. And I actually made the second month's payments as well.
0: Did you ever see him and his buddy Johnny out riding the motorcycles? Yes, once. So did Doc.
1: hmm yeah, he actually came up um, in both, him and Johnny came up in both motorcycles to export and showed him off. And then I actually got, probably a few months later, I got an I-Pass ticket in the mail because they didn't have an I-Pass on their bikes. Right. And I had to pay
0: those fees. So the registration then on those motorcycles, you're financing them, the registration's in your name. He's riding them all around mm-hmm. with his buddy with no care in the world. And you're getting tickets.
1: Yep.
0: It's crazy. So you make the first couple months' payments. Uh, are you going back to him and asking him, like, hey, Rick, what's going on here? Like, every day. Every day.
1: I sent him text messages, tried calling him almost every day after, you know, those two months went by and I said, I'm not making payments anymore. Like, you need to come up with this money. You need to give it to me now. I would give him specific details here's the account login, here's the password. Go on here, pay this off. This is how much you owe. This is how much you owe for this bike. This is how much you owe for this bike. And it was always excuse after excuse after excuse.
0: Right. And and most of these excuses, are they coming um, via text message? Yes. Is he showing up at the gym like he used to? No.
1: So he actually got banned
0: from export for two months
1: at that time.
0: What did he get banned for?
1: He actually slapped an employee.
0: He did. I remember. There's a battery charge. Mm-hmm. A young, a, a young kid. Uh, I know the arresting officer, Adam Boyd. Um, I forgot about that. Thank <laughs> you for bringing that back up. Um, so he's banned for a couple months. How fortunate for you know to you know for him. How how fortunate um, that he doesn't have to make excuses um, on when you're going to the gym. He's notorious for. Um, reaching out on text asking you like are you going to the gym today and then you're like oh yeah I'll be there at like one o'clock oh i just miss you mm-hmm. and he would on purpose he always he always knew where people were going to be because he was asking the right questions um, that's all part of his his MO um, so um, you're going back and forth with him on text you're you're giving him account numbers you're probably very stressed out I mean, what's going on inside you? You're, you're freaking out?
1: Oh yeah, I'm freaking out. I'm getting calls from the banks. You know, my bank account is shot from all the payments that I've been making. You know, trying to figure out how am I gonna pay for this? Watching my credit score go down. Um, and, you know, just basically, I mean, I was going through some health issues as well. You know, having some back issues and you know being ill it just didn't help
0: at all and then the stress it's compounded right mm-hmm. um, did you did you find yourself like losing weight did you what did the stress make you feel like what were you doing what was your what was your like uh, for me I didn't eat when all of my stuff was going down I, I stopped eating mm-hmm. so I lost like 15 pounds in like 10 days um, were you just like a hot mess?
1: I, I mean, I wasn't that hot of a mess physically. Um, it was more just taking a toll on me. Nobody in my family knew about this. I didn't tell anybody about this. So keeping that burden of a secret on me, you know, I had to go to work every day and try to put a smile on while sitting at work, you know, messaging Rick, you know, to try to get a payment. From him and each and every day that it, I didn't get a response or I got an excuse and nothing came through it was just eating me alive. So then what'd you do? I just honestly I just kept on messaging him. I got to the point where I was so fed up I even told him I said hey if you don't make payments I'm gonna report these bikes as stolen and I'm gonna go to a lawyer. As soon as I said lawyer he starts messaging me back right away. Sure. You know, I'm I'm sorry, sorry I wasn't able to get around to you. I'll, you know, payment will go through, you know, shortly. Uh, I promise it. Promise. And at that point I was like, you know, whatever. You know, I'll, I'll see it when I believe, or I'll believe it when I see it.
0: So the collection agency is coming after you at this point? Yes. Yes. I had actually gotten notices um, of,
1: you know, late fees. Default default and then um actually got the notice that the bikes were going to be repossessed and that was a nightmare to go through
0: so the bikes are um was he storing them at his house that is what i was told where were they actually
1: uh he said finally when i was able to get him to give me an address i believe it was at his buddy johnny grant's house
0: right in libertyville Mm um what were the reasons that you went in on the deal I mean I I know that you had some financial um, we'll call them financial issues or um, some struggles it, was there any other reason I mean was it were you thinking at some point like man this so you know that extra money is really gonna it's gonna make it's gonna change my life yeah what yeah. were you gonna do with you know with with half of the worth of the bikes what were you gonna do what were your dreams
1: I mean what, Honestly, I was thinking, hey, I can get my student loans paid off a little bit quicker and get out of my mom's house. I can get a place of my own and be able to actually live my life.
0: That's not what happened. Nope. At what point did you know, like inside, like your heart of hearts, at what point did you know that this was a scam? At what point did you know that you were getting screwed over?
1: as soon as he actually got uh, kicked out of export and he wasn't responding to me at all there should be no reason why you can't respond to somebody about a deal that you made with them and as soon as it was like I said days upon days upon weeks of getting no responses or excuses I was like
0: yeah yeah it's a sickening feeling Mm -hmm. um especially when you have nobody to talk to um It's tough. Um, Did you ever feel like you could, you know, you should go to the authorities? Did you ever feel like, you know, maybe, maybe something else is going on here?
1: Uh, You know, I did think about going to the authorities, but you know, young people and the internet looking up these things—it was more like I don't think the authorities can really do anything because the bikes are in my name and. Technically, I'm responsible for them.
0: Um, after, um, after you're getting these threats for uh, repossession, um, at what point does he say, "Okay, um, you can have the bikes back. We can give them back"? I and mean, how long does this? How long is he riding freely on your motorcycles?
1: I mean, the repossession actually didn't take very long. As soon as I said that they were going to get repossessed, he basically said, OK, he gave me the address um, as to where they were. And then he said, all I'm going to do is they're going to get repossessed and I'm going to they're going to auction them off and I'm going to buy them at the
0: auction. That's what he said. Yes. Did you think where does that leave me and my credit?
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, I was definitely like, well, what's going to happen? You know, I'm not responsible for these. I'm not paying for them. So I still went back to him. I said, hey, you still have to pay up. I mean, the even with the repossession, you know, they offered a, um, I don't want to say discounted amount, but they offered a buyout price for whatever they were, um, greatly reduced price from what I owed. And I sent him those numbers I say, Hey, you owe, you owe me this for this bike. And you owe me this for this bike,
0: you know, pay up. And did he? Nope, not at all. So what happens after the bikes are repossessed?
1: I actually don't hear from him for a few months.
0: He go silent.
1: Ego silent. I went silent for a little bit as well. I want to say about two months. Uh, like I said, I was dealing with some health issues and it was something that I didn't want to think about at the time. And then, I think it was when I was still getting uh, notices from debt collector saying that I still owed a debt. So I finally, I had it with him, and I basically sent him a message. I said, "I'm done with this. I can't believe you would do this to somebody who you knew was in a financial crisis, anyways. And if you don't pay up, I'm going to the cops. I'm going to get a lawyer. And then." He actually went and tried to turn things around on me and said, this is the first time I've ever heard from you in the past few months. I even tried calling you.
0: So he plays the victim. Mm -hmm. It's so interesting. He likes to play the victim card. He turns all of his scams into... um, The reason that he can't come through on his end of the bargain is always because of... Um, Something that's total bullshit. He's getting divorced. He's going through a real tough divorce. Real hard. Um, Can't think about this right now, you know, um, without having having any regard for you and your feelings or really anybody's feelings. Um, So the bikes are repossessed. Um, How much do you owe?
1: After they were, were repossessed, I want to say almost 20 grand.
0: So that's, that's the bag you're left holding. Mm -hmm. So you're dealings with Dugo and all of this signing your name um, for motorcycles. You're left with $20,000 in debt. Plus probably fees. I'm sure here and there. Mm -hmm. And did you ever tell him that, that he needed to pay that back? Yes. And his response? Silence. Silence. And silence is deafening. Um, at what point do you guys just cut off communication?
1: Um, actually it was funny, I, I still have all the text messages on my phone, and I was looking through them today, and it was actually September 4th of 2018.
0: So he's 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 got you for over a year? Yes. It's wild. Um, so, say that date again.
1: September 4th, 2018. Uh,
0: September 4th, 2018. So I contacted you in June of 2018. June or July? No, maybe it was August.
1: I want to say I think
0: it was a little later than that. Okay, it may have been. I went back and I tried to find um, our correspondence because I think I reached out to you um, on Facebook Messenger.
1: I believe you've called me.
0: I may have may helps i should look at my other notes um okay so um i got to you through a confidant Mm -hmm. um, a mutual friend um maybe mutual maybe you know him maybe you don't somebody that we worked out with at export who had since um since i reached out to him and kind of told him what was going on um i told him what my plan was he had helped out with um providing me with um, various victims that he knew Um, and you were one of them. Um, Were you surprised that I reached out to you? Yes. Before I reached out to you, did anybody at Xport know what what, what you were going through?
1: Um, If I remember correctly, I think I only told one person. But I didn't tell them, I don't think I told them the exact situation. And if I remember correctly, it was one of the people that I first met with Duco, who had stated that he was a cop.
0: Um, So, Mm -hmm. one person at Export knows, Um, I reach out to you out of the blue. And are you surprised that I found you? Yes. Um, What was your first impression of me? Um, If you can think back that far, what was, what were you thinking? Were you thinking like I was, maybe I was like a a mole for Rick or how the hell did I get your information or what am I doing calling you?
1: It was more of how did you get my information? How did you know about this? Um, I never expected you to be a mole for Rick. Um, and like, I think I even asked you this when the first time we talked was, who told you? How did you find out?
0: <laughs> I don't remember if I told you the truth or not.
1: You, um, yeah, you had just said that you knew a confidant.
0: Yeah, so I have, had, um, along with me, um, I've had two confidants. Um, one um, that worked out at export, another um, that's provided me with a lot of, um, we'll call it ground support, that I don't know his name. Um, I've known him for five years. We talk almost every day, but he wanted it to remain confidential, and I've uh, allowed him to be. I've never gone after. He once called me, and I saw his phone number, but um, that's the kind of guy that I am. Like I, if I make a deal with you, I'm not gonna, um, I'm not gonna re- renege on that deal. I'm not gonna um, make it so that you can't trust me in the future. So. I'm glad that you didn't like slam the phone down or tell me to fuck off or, um, (laughs) do you think that, um, going back and, and talking about this, do you find, uh, this to be like something that's cathartic? Does it help you? Does it, um, make you feel like there's like a sense of therapy? Like when you're able to hear other people that have gone through something similar to you?
1: I still don't mention it. To this day, Uh, my husband actually didn't find out until probably about two years ago. Wow. Mm -hmm.
0: So you've internalized for that long? Yes. I get it. Totally get it. Um, So then why are you here telling me your story?
1: I want people to know. I want people to know that they're not alone in this. It happens every day. And don't keep it bottled up
0: because it will destroy you later on. I absolutely appreciate that. Um, I find one of the most uh, uh, you know, interesting things are um, a lot of the people that I've talked to find it to be a little you know, uh, therapeutic um, in having these conversations after they've internalized for so long. But the biggest piece is that so many of us want everybody to know um, that Rick Dugo sucks and he should never be uh, allowed to do this to anybody else. And what you're doing here today is so important because um, you're you're here giving your story, and it's a forewarning uh, that this can happen to anyone. Um, you never think it's going to happen to you, and when it does, it turns your life upside down. Um, but there is light at the end of the tunnel. Um, so I really appreciate you taking the time to do this with me. Um, did you know anybody else that was a Rick Dugo victim at the time? when all this is happening to you? No. Not a single one?
1: Not at all.
0: So you never knew how big he was? No. Do you know how big he is today?
1: I can imagine.
0: <laughs> Take a guess.
1: He's probably well known now.
0: How many people do you think that he's conned or scammed? Uh, how long do you think he's been doing this?
1: Uh, from what I've read and heard, over 30 years.
0: Over 30 years. Um, take a guess at the number hundreds hundreds yeah lake county interviewed 178 victims Jesus. yeah <laughs> um kind of makes your head pop right um how long has it taken you to financially recover have you been able to financially recover for six years or so post scam um you were forced to repay your debt or file bankruptcy.
1: I actually was told when I uh, placed the report with the police department was to not pay. I was told to tell the debt collectors that it was under investigation.
0: Okay. So um, we're going to, we're going to travel back a little bit in time. So, um, when you say the police, You're speaking of Lake County. Yes. Detective Bill Bang. Yes. Okay. So um, I call you. We have a conversation. I ask if if you would be willing to help. You said. Yes. um, You did, and I'm super appreciative. Um, So then the data is taken over to Lake County. Mm -hmm. A file is open. Um, You get a call at some point, I would think. Who's calling you from Lake County?
1: Oh, um, the attorney, it's like Kevin Barrow. Okay. I want to say.
0: So, but you did an initial investigation. Um, did Bill, did, did, uh, did Detective Bill Bang have you come in?
1: He did have me come in. Um, and then he did also recommend to get a lawyer. And he recommended a lawyer to me.
0: Okay, Um, so they recommend that you don't pay your bill, Mm -hmm. so you didn't have to file bankruptcy. Nope. Has your credit score been affected? Yes. Um, What happened with your bill?
1: Um, As of right now, I'm still receiving a bill.
0: And eventually will you be forced to pay it
1: um honestly i'm not sure i haven't contacted the police department or my lawyer about that um it was more what i was told is if you keep on getting these just to let them know that this case is under investigation um i haven't received one since rick dugos last trial since he was convicted um waiting to see if there's another one that's going
0: to be coming through all right so let's talk about that so you know all this time goes by right and there's all these hopes you know it took almost five years from the time that i reached out to you to the it's four and a half years um until um this went to trial did you think about it at all did you think man you know what happens if he gets off what happens because you were one of the next trials Mm -hmm. you were probably third in line from what I had heard. Um, So, did that make you nervous, the thought of having to face him in court? Yes. Were you scared of Rick Dugo? Yes. Are you still scared of Rick Dugo? Yes. Um, Were you surprised at the verdict?
1: A little bit. Um, Just knowing that from what I've read and what I've heard is he's gotten away with it before. Um he's gotten slaps on the wrist and whatnot. Um, so I was terrified that he wasn't going to go. I was also a little surprised that he didn't get more for how much you built on his case.
0: So there's some things that had happened along the way. Um, the pandemic didn't help. Um, there's a changing of the guard. So when... This case was first picked up. It was Detective Bill Bang and and, an assistant ADA uh, named Fred Day. Mm -hmm. Um, Both of them, one retired, and then uh, Fred Day went into private practice right before there was an election. And in the election year, um, the interesting thing is how the entire regime, um, and it went from like Republican to Democrat, so you had a whole new... um, Set of people and attorneys that came in, and so you have the pandemic paired with an election, and that was like three years of delay. Um, so there was uh, there was some time when I thought it was all touch and go. The reason I say that is because there's the statute of limitations in Illinois. If it's under a hundred thousand um, dollars, you have three years from the time you've. Uh, from the time that the crime's been committed to the time they're arresting, you have three years. So, when I presented the case to Lake County, um, there were five or six charges or victims that were within a time frame of like 2016, 2017 um, that fell off by the time he was arrested in 2018. We lost like four or five victims. Those victims would have had about another 10 to 12 charges. So instead of him looking at a set of six charges for the three of us, he would have had like 18 or 20. And then there's the subsequent charge with Masali, which was another six charges. Um, He would have been looking at some serious time. Mm. Um, But white-collar crime, uh, non-violent crime, is very rarely prosecuted or if it is prosecuted the punishments are normally fairly lenient um how soon after his trial did you find out he was guilty
1: um honestly it was not too long i think i got a call right away from kevin barrel stating this is his trial got moved Um, I was actually out of town, I was at one of his softball tournaments, Um, told me his trial got moved, Uh, you're more than welcome to come and view it, and I think it was two or three days after he called me, letting me know.
0: That's wild. Um, What did you think? I mean, okay, so so you hear he was um, found guilty and then there's a lag between his sentencing. Mm -hmm. Are you following along with, like, were you watching any of, like, the Dorothy Tucker things that were on CBS Mm 2? So so you're watching all of these things, these little jabs at him along the way. Um, If you had to guess, like, after he's found guilty, what were you expecting him to get in terms of time served?
1: From the amount of information that I heard and I was told, I was expecting him to at least get at least 10 years. But I didn't know about, you know, oh, he's sentenced to this amount, but he's probably only going to
0: serve this amount. So nonviolent crimes in Illinois, yes. um, you serve 50% with good behavior and then uh, they gave him a credit um, after three months in in, um, in prison he was given a six month credit all in on his eight-year deal because he pleaded uh, Maselli's case out to eight years um, he was supposed to serve four, uh, with good behavior he'll probably serve three and a half years but let's not forget that this is somebody that promised the world and all of his friends and family that he was never going to jail mm-hmm. um, so, I mean, how are you feeling today?
1: Honestly, still upset with everything. I mean, I'm glad that he's in jail, but it doesn't help me out You know, uh, What I really was hoping for was he'd go to jail and maybe I'd get some restitution to cover the amount that I still owe, but that wasn't promised.
0: So there is an order of restitution for you. Mm-hmm. Um, you're one of four uh, that have an order of restitution the problem is, is that there's no penalty if he doesn't pay his restitution so if he gets out of prison and decides he's not paying any of us back uh, he doesn't get additional time the only way that you could recoup is by suing him civilly mm-hmm. and um, garnishing his wages but he'd have to get a job to do that since he never gets a job that's Never going to happen. I get it. I get that feeling of being angry. Um, Do you think prison will change Rick Dugo? No. Not at all. What do you think is going to happen when he gets out?
1: Go back to his normal ways. He's got nothing in his name right now, so he's going to go and try and find another way.
0: So you believe that this career, Codman, will continue his career without remorse? Of course what do you think that he's thinking about right now in prison
1: honestly i have no idea uh, in the back of my head it's probably i'm gonna get these people that went after me that's the worst of the worst
0: yeah there's no way there's too many of us he'd have to i mean i always thought about that like how many people would rick have to kill or hurt it would be like three or four hundred of us mm-hmm. I mean, he'll he, he, he could never do it um What I've learned through the process um, is that sociopaths um, rarely get violent. And the reason that they don't get violent is as soon as they cross that line, all of a sudden they have a battery charge. Um, You know, battery being violent almost instantly or always, you always go to jail or prison. Financial crimes, white collar crimes, me against you, I've taken your money on a deal that went bad. If it was just one-to-one, And if it was just you and him, you would have to sue him civilly. Mm -hmm. What differentiates here, I find so interesting, is that there was a point when so many of us got together and were able to present all of this information. So all of these things that could have been civil if if it was just you going to the police or if I'm just going to the police. But by having so much information, it's having such a diverse set of victims, we were able to, to say that There's pattern here, Um, and that's what I find so interesting. There was something that came up at trial called the additional acts motion, and it was a motion that uh, the judge um, had had to determine if he would allow it to exist or not. And what it was, it was um, a motion, a document of all of the other people that had identical crimes. That had happened that were outside of the statutes of limitations. And this was such a defining moment because if the judge doesn't allow this, um, it it doesn't show a pattern. And so the witnesses that you would call for something like this, that just wouldn't, it wouldn't be of any interest, right? Because it would be hearsay. But the judge allowed the motion, the other acts motion, into the case. And it was at that point when I realized how screwed Rick was. Um, I think that you were very fortunate that you didn't have to face him at trial. Um, I don't know how to say this without really getting in trouble, but, um, his attorney, he had one attorney that was a monster. Mm -hmm. Um, he was a big wig from Chicago that represented, um, he actually just represented, there's like the, they called him like the big four. They were the politicians that, um got caught um, sponsoring like Madigan Mike Madigan pretty big attorney um, anyway um, he was really hard to navigate around because um, when he was in front of you he was an animal mm-hmm. and he made you feel really really shitty um, I'm glad you didn't have to go through that <laughs> um, is there anything else that you want to say to this audience I mean um, when it's all said and done, I think that you said you know, you're know, you really hopeful that this doesn't happen again.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, how do people protect themselves? What do they do?
1: Honestly, if this ever were to happen to anybody, I would say to talk to somebody right away. Don't hold it in like I did. Don't think that you can handle the situation on your own because you can't. And make sure you have full support from everybody else
0: all great words of advice for your continued support on this last episode of to catch a con man you heard the story of a young woman named Kat who met Ricky Dugo at Export Fitness Dugo offers Kat a business opportunity that expands into a way for her to build up her credit score he ends up coercing Kat to put two Harley Davidson motorcycles into her name and eventually Dugo is charged with conspiracy to commit financial fraud for his part in this scam. Coming up next time, we will turn our attention to the Greg's Landing neighborhood and explore the two-part story of one of the first Ricky Dugo financial crime victims that found the con by Rick at gmail.com email box. He is also one of the few victims that faced him and testified as a witness in the trial of the state of Illinois versus Ricky Dugo.